everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Eight and Three Quarters Disrupting Hollywood. I'm Marta Arnani, your host, and this is brought to you by Dimelo. My guest for you all today is Nick Rodriguez, an artist with an incredible journey. He is an alum of Fiorella Guardia High School of Music, Arts and Performing Arts in New York, same school attended by Jen Aniston, Timothy Chalamet, Aquafina, and many more artists that you love, so no big deal. He's also an alum of USC Screenwriting Program, and he is an incredibly talented writer with an amazing mission. A finalist in Disney's prestigious Screenwriting Fellowship, a semi-finalist at Universal Animation Writers Program, he's written over 20 episodes of television for Netflix, Disney Junior, and Nickelodeon before being staffed at DreamWorks, And he's here with us today, so let's just hear it from him. Hi, Nick. Welcome to Eight and Three Quarters. I'm very excited to have you. Ah, uh, yeah. Thanks for having me. This is gonna be fun. I like, uh, you know, helping out the next generation. <laughs> of course. Okay. Um, I'd like to start by asking you a little bit about yourself, your background. Um, I know you grew up in New York City. Um, in your own words, in a very loud, very Puerto Rican family. <laughs> yes. And I also know you went to the fame high school. So this is all very interesting. Tell me a little bit more about it. Uh, yeah. So I, I grew up in, in New York City, but I grew up on Staten Island, which is uh, sort of the, the most far removed of the five boroughs. Um, you know, it, it's too far for them to build subways or anything to connect to the rest of the city. So when you are uh, trying to get anywhere else, you either have to go over the bridges um, into like Brooklyn um, or you have to take, uh, what is it, the, the New Jersey Turnpike or, or whatever it's called, uh, through Jersey into Manhattan or um, you have to take the ferry to Manhattan to, to actually feel like you're connected to the rest of the city. Um, of course, that said, uh, I knew that I was always going to be an artist, um, that I was always a creative person. And I heard about LaGuardia High School while I was in middle school. And in New York, there's this, uh, I, I don't know if it's like a specific program or something that they have, but it's pretty much a free-for-all of what high school do you want to go to. You can almost go to any high school in the city from any other part of the city. And I had heard about LaGuardia High School and how it was uh, specifically an arts high school. At that point, I thought I was going to be an illustrator. I wanted to illustrate comic books and, you know, be part of the Marvel DC stuff and, uh, you know, maybe make my own things. Uh, so I worked really hard in middle school to put together my, um, my illustration portfolio, um, because LaGuardia required an audition, uh, and the audition for the, the fine arts program that I was applying to, uh, required us to have a full portfolio and then go in person and actually, uh, draw and, uh, I think it was, I think it was mostly illustration stuff, uh, With like charcoal and pastels, um, and, and some other thing, and you had to draw like a like a, a still life in person for them while they reviewed your portfolio. So it was kind of a, a 
very nerve-wracking process. Um, but I wound up getting in. I don't know why to this day. Uh, I wound up getting in and wound up going to that high school. And it was one of the best decisions I made um, probably my entire life just because I had so much fun at that high school and I was exposed to other artists and um, especially it being in Manhattan, it was a much more diverse uh, high school experience than I was going to have um, at the high school that I was like zoned for on Staten Island um, because my neighborhood was mostly um, people who are Italian, Irish, Irish, Italian, um, you know, it, it was still very, very uh, white um, and I didn't grow up seeing a lot of people like me in my neighborhood or having a lot of friends like me in my neighborhood. So going to LaGuardia exposed me to just all the things that I needed at exactly the right time um, and allowed me to kind of explore who I was as an artist. Um, and it was actually while I was there that I really got more into writing and specifically writing for TV. Uh, so I did, I did a, a, a big pivot <laughs> going to... Uh, going into college, but um, it was just great. It was great. I had a really great time. Yeah, sounds really fun. So, like, I'm curious to know, going to such an artistic high school, did you meet any friends that you've later on in your career found working in different projects with you? Or Yeah, I, I've run into a few of my classmates um, out here in L.A. Uh, you know, there was, there was one person who I was just like, I was, at a, I was working a premiere for a movie, uh, for a friend of mine, because he had worked for um, Stan Lee at the time, and their website was doing just coverage of one of the Marvel releases. And I was walking through just an alley uh, over by um, over on Hollywood, uh, where they were having the premiere, and I just ran into one of my classmates for, just randomly. He was just like skateboarding like down the alley at the same time I was crossing through it, and it was just like, "Oh, it's you! What are you doing here?" and uh, he was an actor and um, he had, uh, I think this was just before he got on Power Rangers. That's like a Power Ranger. And he's been doing really well for himself. He, he, he's on some CBS show now. Um, so that was just really, really interesting. Um, but yeah, people seem to know the high school and uh, that's great. I didn't know it was that famous when I went there. <laughs> I'm sure it's like a good network to have if you ever yeah, need it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, tell me a little bit more about the pivot from illustration to writing. Um, is there anything in particular that inspired you to write any story that you wanted to tell? Uh, you know, it was it was really interesting. So the the reason I wanted to illustrate was because I wanted to already uh, be telling stories, right? I wanted to be a comic book artist, and those are just those are storytelling machines. Um, I didn't really know at the time um, that it, that kind of transformation was happening within me. That the biggest reason I wanted to tell stories was because I didn't see people like me um, reflected in TV. Like even in the, the shows that I loved and had a really strong connection to, there were still very few people who were... Um, people of color who were uh, LGBT, that sort of thing. And uh, especially in the genre space, which is where I love to live. Like I love horror, 
um, fantasy, science fiction. I love all of that stuff. Um, I find that there's, you know, just not a lot of that representation. Like it all kind of boils down to metaphor and that stuff. And I'm just like, oh no, it can, those genres are probably the best place for our stories to start. Um, and so that wasn't until, uh, a few years ago that I really figured out in my head, like, oh, that's, that's my purpose as a writer is to bring, um, those perspectives to the genre space. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. <laughs> um, tell me a little bit more about coming to USC. I'm curious about that. I had a great time at USC. So I, again, <laughs> hadn't heard about USC. Um, until a friend of mine who, she was the, the biggest reason too, why I started getting, um, into television writing because we were both just such TV nerds that we started, usually people start with fan fiction. What we started with was just like straight ripping off the shows that we were watching and like changing the names But like, it was pretty much just us being like, this is our version of Buffy. This is our version of Charmed. This is our version of Smallville. Um, and so she, uh, got it in her head that she was like, oh, I want to be a writer as well. Like, I want to, I want to do this. And so she did a little bit more research than me, uh, when it came time to applying to colleges and she discovered USC and she told me about it. And I, I knew that I wanted to to go into specifically film writing. Uh, but I didn't have any um, thought that I would move all the way to Los Angeles, right? I, that was like a, not even a pipe dream. It just didn't even occur to me. Um, so I had applied to NYU Tisch, uh, SUNY Purchase, which was supposed to have a, a good film program. Um, and a couple of other uh state and city schools, but I got into NYU and I got into purchase, uh, for their film programs. Um, but I, again, I hadn't heard about USC. So she told me about it maybe a week before the application was due to get into the screenwriting program of all programs. Um, so I just, I just hauled ass and I, I put my application together. Um, worked on it like 24 7 over the course of that week uh submitted it and just hoped for the best i was like you know what this this is the pipe dream i don't know if this is actually going to work like i i already got into some really good schools it'll be it'll be fine um lo and behold somehow the universe was like oh yeah no you come to usc and i was like I was dumbfounded. I loved USC. I loved the, the screenwriting program and all the professors. Um, yeah, it was just, it was a really good time. Um, do you feel like your time at SCA, how would you say it shaped your career as a writer, if that makes sense? Yeah. Um, I think it really helped me to, the biggest reason I chose uh, USC over uh, Tisch Uh, if I'm being totally honest, is when I visited Tish, the biggest sense I got, and I don't want people from Tish to, to hate on me for this, but the biggest sense I got there was uh, they were kind of preparing you to be that sort of typical New York starving artist 
writer. Um, you know, they, they didn't, the way they answered questions about like, uh, networking and, um, finding, finding work once you graduate, it just seemed like they didn't have a great grasp on how to help their students once, once they finished. Um, USC, on the other hand, when I got here, it all seemed very much like, yes, it'll be hard work, you know, working in entertainment is not an easy uh, thing to pursue, but at the end of the day, as long as you work hard, we are going to prepare you for how to actually get those jobs, and you will get those jobs. It might take some time, and it did take some time for me, but it will happen, and we will prepare you for that. Um, so that's really what what convinced me to come to, to USC, which is that positivity of like, yeah, you have to put the work in, but it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Don't worry about it. It will happen. Tell me about that first day after graduating from USC. How did you start your career? What kind of jobs did you look for? <laughs> How did it all start coming for you? Uh, so when I graduated, I actually had a job lined up. And it was, I was a, what was the title they gave me? A part-time development writer, I think is what they called it. Um, it was for the, the production arm of this publishing company who was mostly based in New York, but had an office here in LA. And what the office in LA was doing was taking the ideas of the books that they were publishing out of, again, out of New York and, and making them, uh, viable for TV. So, so, you know, my job was to, you know, get, get a book synopsis, read all of the character details, plot details, and see how I could, uh, give, give it a show that had legs for, you know, a hundred episodes. Um, and it was really cool. Uh, it, thinking back on it, it was maybe, um, a little bit shady and I definitely should have been paid way more, uh, than, than I was getting. Um, but it was fun while it lasted to exercise that part of my brain that I had been training at USC because I specifically took a lot of the, the TV writing classes from the very beginning, as soon as I could. Um, so I was trying to, it was good to exercise that brain and it felt good to have a, a job, you know, right out of school. Uh, the unfortunate thing about that was that it ended like three or four months in. Uh, so I thought I was like, hot shit, like, oh yeah, I've got, I've got this like development job. And then they, they were like, oh, we don't have the money for you anymore. So, uh, sorry, but bye. And then suddenly I had to, uh, pivot and figure out how to actually live in LA. And, uh, that was, that was tough, but, um, I managed it. I wound up getting a part-time job at Macy's, uh, downtown, um, while at the same time getting uh, two internships 
um, for a production company and a lit manager, um, I think it was. Um, so, so working, working all those jobs. And then finally I got a job as an assistant to two talent agents, two commercial talent agents, um, here in LA. And that was a job. That was a, that was a tough job, but, um, I was there for maybe another six months. And then after that, I found a job at a startup, um, TV station, TV network, I guess. I don't quite know what, what the phrase should be, but, um, that, that company was licensing internet content and putting it back on TV as like an actual, uh, TV channel, um, sort of like they did with the original MTV. So it was like a 24 hour, uh, curated playlist of all the coolest internet videos we could find. Uh, that sort of evolved into, uh, me putting together, uh, whole shows based on people's YouTube channels. Um, so like there was like, I think I was in charge of a show that the person's YouTube channel was all about making really cool short films. And so I packaged the short film together with like behind the scenes videos that they had put up on their channel. And we called that like a show and we put that out. Um, and that was a great job because it allowed me to uh, feel like I was working in the industry, but also allowed me to solidify like, this is where I live. I, I'm an LA resident. I pay my own bills. You know, I, I, I get my rent paid. I, I am here. I am doing this. Um, and it was a little bit of a detour from the screenwriting stuff because I couldn't quite write as much as I wanted to while I was worried about just um, staying here in L.A. Uh, but once I finally felt comfortable enough, I was able to then really put, put myself all into my writing um, after hours and that's when things started uh, to shift. Do you agree that talent agencies are right of passage for every person who wants to win in writing and development? <laughs> uh, I guess I, I have to agree as much as I don't necessarily want to agree. Um, there are, I, I've had friends who, who've worked at agencies uh, who loved it, who had really, really positive experiences. And those are certainly out there. Like not everybody is a monster. Um, the talent agency I worked for, I didn't have the best time there. Um, I was, I, I felt like I was definitely overworked for, again, for the amount of uh, money that they were offering me. Um, but It did teach me to uh, think on my feet, you know, to, to be able to yeah. problem solve uh, as quickly as possible. Um, yeah, that's how I would answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> Let's leave it there. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's a very hot topic. I've heard very, very different opinions on it. So that's why I'm asking. Yeah, but... yeah. And I, I understand the wisdom in, in again, trying... Or, or getting a job that does teach you those skills. Um, it's just, I think there are so many ways 
to find jobs that teach you those skills. It doesn't have to necessarily be through um, agencies or, or management companies. Um, but I do know, like, I, I do remember that even the um, studio assistant positions really wanted you to come up through the, the agency track and you know it would be it would be hard to to get those assistant positions not having worked at an agency so i understand that it's kind of like a people don't really have a choice i didn't really have a choice um but you know <laughs> be careful with those jobs <laughs> oh my god okay um walk me a little bit through the process to become staffed as a writer ah the old the old staffing process Uh, so I wound up getting let go from the, uh, startup TV network, um, because it was a startup. So obviously they <laughs> ran out of money at some point. Um, I was unemployed for six months after that. Um, again, trying to just get other assistant positions or get into, um, a writer's room, um, But because I didn't quite have the uh, usual production experience, it was it was fairly tough. I wound up getting a job with two talent managers actually, who were fantastic. They were they were the nicest people. I still talk to them to this day. Still get some advice from them to this day. Um, I was with them for maybe another six months until I landed a job as a production assistant at DreamWorks, and. Once I got there, that's really, really where everything started to click because I was able to learn about uh, the animation pipeline, uh, the, the, the process to produce um, those episodes. Um, my line producer was really fantastic and really encouraged us all, all of the, the PAs to uh, not be quiet about what we wanted to eventually do. Um, so I used that to, uh, make friends with the writers and, you know, they were already great. So it was easy to make friends with them, but I wasn't quiet. Like I'm a writer. However, I can help you guys out. Um, if I can help the script coordinator out with any work while she is on vacation or something, please let me know. Like I'll do whatever, whatever you need me to do so I can just start learning about being in the room. Uh, and they were all great and they actually took me up on all of that. They allowed me to um, do the script coordinators, fill in for the script coordinator while she, whenever she was gone. Um, they allowed me into the room for punch-ups for a couple of the scripts, which was really fun. And, you know, they made me feel like I was part of the team. Um, from there, my story editor on that show... Um, heard about an opening for a script coordinator on a totally different show outside of the studio uh, that she put me up for. Um, I was not called in to interview for that, but the story editor on that show heard about another show that needed a script coordinator. And so I actually went in to interview for that and I did get that job. Um, so I started that job in March, 2020 as script coordinator. Um, that job- Tough time to start a new job. <laughs> Literally, two, like three, four days later, uh, we were. I was learning the job totally, totally remotely, um, which was very, very difficult. But um, the 
one of the staff writers was had just been promoted from script coordinator. So she was there um, to answer all my questions about how to do things. Um, obviously, there was a, a, a learning curve on the, the work from home side of it, but she was fantastic in helping uh, keep me afloat <laughs> on uh, what I was supposed to be doing. Uh, so I did that job for for two years, really, until, until this past uh, December. But in that time, my bosses on the show uh, had read a sample of mine when they were first interviewing me. And so they were like, oh, yeah, he can, he can write. So uh, I kind of went in, and they already had an idea that I was going to write a few freelance episodes for them. Um, which was really fantastic of them to to allow me to do, and they wound up giving me uh, three freelance episodes on that show. I used that to convince other shows to also give me freelance work, um, even though I was swamped with this, the script coordinator duties. I was like, no, no, I'm a writer. I have to like be writing. Um, so I got another gig, another freelance gig, uh, because of that, really. And then because of that, I met my agent, and my agent wound up signing me. And so the second year I was there um, was spent, like, her sending me on uh, generals with different executives at different studios, um, her getting me some other freelance opportunities, um, and then also me. Uh, using my network of people that I was meeting to, to get myself a lot of that work as well. Um, and then eventually this opportunity for staffing on this new show popped up um, through through a, a friend of mine that I had met at DreamWorks when I was first there. Um, she brought me in. Um, our EP was fantastic to meet with. Uh, really, really easy to talk to. And then... Um, I, they called my agent the next day and they were like, oh yeah, we want him to, to staff on the show. And I was like, what? My mind was so blown. Um, I was so happy and it was such a cool, it's such a cool project. Um, so I'm just so excited and, uh, you know, I feel so honored to, to finally have made it to a staff writer on, on this show in particular. Of course. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I know I'm sure there's a lot you cannot tell us, but um, if you can tell us a little bit of the shows if you, you've worked on, or better said, have you been able to work on the genres that you said you enjoy the most? So like fantasy and fiction and this kind of YA uh, thing. Yeah, so I, I actually, all of the freelance work that I'd been doing was, um, was, a, was a lot of preschool stuff, um, which is fun and really cool and uh you know especially my um bosses are just so fantastic at uh really getting into that that kid mindset and finding ways to make the stories like really interesting like i i had watched the the show i was script coordinating on or any when i was before i interviewed for it i had watched some of the the show and i was actually blown away i was like the music in this is awesome. The characters are really funny. It's not talking down to kids. Like, this is a really good show. This would be great to work on because I'll be able to learn a lot, especially um, in terms of uh, a comedy, just just being funny and, and um, that sort of thing. So 
I was really happy to work on on all these preschool shows because it's really honed that like uh, lighthearted comedy side that I think I needed. Um, but uh, they were all they weren't they weren't all in the genre. So when this show came up, it was in the genre. It was in the age range I wanted to work with. It had. Um, these, these other different like diversity elements that I loved and um, it's part of like a, a major franchise if I can say that um, so it was it was a no-brainer like when they when they called me in for it I did, did all the research I could I was like let me just make sure that I know exactly what this uh, this whole thing is about and um, luckily my my nephews were also a fan of it. Uh, so I could see what, what clicked for them. And so I talked about that a little in my interview and how important that was to me to still be able to make content that, that they could appreciate because they're, they're fairly young, but, you know, they still like to watch things about people that are a little bit older. So when is this coming out and where can we see it? Ha! Uh, it's animation. So... <laughs> Hopefully, in the next two or three years, it'll it'll okay. finally make it to screen. Um, yeah, animation is just it takes so much longer to produce than live action, so uh, it does always take a while. Like my first, the first freelance I wrote for uh, the show that I was script coordinator on came out only a few months ago, um, and I again I've been working there for like two years, so. Uh, it's a long process for animation, but uh, it will be on Netflix eventually. <laughs> we'll keep an eye for that. Yeah. Um, since you mentioned Netflix, uh, Netflix is one of the big streamers that recently, over the last year, has made very public their intention to invest more in family and kids content mm. and in animation overall, like extend their library in that sense. So I'm curious, you know, do you think it's a good time to be in the business in animation? Is it like pumping up now? Yeah, uh, if, if there's one good thing that the pandemic uh, has done, it's shown that there's a necessity for animated projects. Um, you know, we, in, in March and April 2020, when you know, everything was really hitting the fan. We didn't really have to stop uh, production. Like, we had some bumps, of course, because, you know, learning how to do everything from home, getting everybody set up, it's like a minute. But for the most part, we were still plowing ahead. Um, everything was pretty much right on schedule, um, you know, because a lot of the work could still be done from home as long as people had the right uh, equipment. Um And we were able to, in my eyes, animation was able to kind of keep the studios afloat a little bit uh, because, you know, we were, again, still meeting our deadlines, still producing episodes, still making things that could then eventually uh, make it to air um, and still employing people. Um, so it, it just showed that animation is still a really good... Uh, necessary medium for the studios to pay attention to um, and you know, not take advantage of, even though they still kind of do. 
I mean, if anything, I feel like it seems like animation is good because it keeps you employed longer because projects take longer to produce. Yes. Do you agree? Yeah, that's actually a really good point. And that's one of the 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 cool parts about it is just like, you know, you're not you're not afraid of like, oh, this project is going to wrap up in only like six months. I need to make sure that I'm, uh, I've got the next thing lined up. Uh, the, the flip side of that is it doesn't pay as well as live action. Absolutely. Um, curious to know, what what is a story that you haven't told that you would like to, that's like, you know, pressing you something or some topic that you would like to talk about in your next project, say? Oh, that's a great question. I'm working on a script right now uh, that's all about toxic masculinity and uh, whether or not it's a cycle that can be broken. Um, of course, it's told through like teenagers with superpowers, but but that idea of uh, trying to to break that mold of uh, what you know, boys are told they have to be like and um, how they have to act and what they have to do in order to be considered men later on. Um, that's a, that that's really uh, intriguing to me um, just uh, because of the way I grew up and, and the, the things that I had to kind of uh, parse out in my own life. So, um, yeah, I'm working on, on, on that script right now, which is actually a live action script. Sounds very interesting. Um, I also wanted to ask you, and you sort of touched upon it before, um, but I, I'm curious to know your thoughts on generally LGBT representation in animation. Um, my impression is that lately there's been some shows that have been highly praised because of their queer representation, Arcane, for instance, but that more broadly, more generally, uh, say like big animation, traditional studios, Disney, Pixar, DreamWorks, have been much more reluctant to have this kind of stories on screen. Yeah. Um, do you see it this way or what are your thoughts on this? That's, that's a really great question, actually, because I have been really happy with the strides that have, have been made in the past few years. Um, especially at DreamWorks, interesting enough, because um, they had, I don't know if you've seen She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. Um, I think that's the, the full mm. title on Netflix, um, a DreamWorks produced show. It's one of the queerest shows out there. Uh, there are there are queer characters all over the place, and um, they're all just such interesting people and um, intriguing characters to follow that it's not it's not preachy about it. Which you know, I I, I do believe there's a, a a space for the the preachier kind of stories. Um, but, you know, this one was not, which worked for, for the story it was telling. Um, so that was really great to see, uh, you know, five seasons of that. I don't know how many episodes that was, but, um, that was a great show. Um, there's another DreamWorks show on Netflix called Kipo in the Age of Wonder Beasts with, um, a gay character in it, um, who's also, uh, a person of color, um, and it just, is what it is and you know again not made to be such a big deal 
And then there's yeah, another Netflix DreamWorks show that eventually one of the characters you realize uh, is is gay and there's one character who um, they don't outright call them non-binary, but I know a lot of uh, non-binary fans saw themselves in this other character. Um, so there are there are strides being made, um, especially in kids' animation of uh, this representation for LGBT people. And it's not enough, I don't think, just yet. But I'm really uh, excited that they are taking these chances, um, even though they shouldn't be, you know, consider chances to take, but they are uh, doing this. And it's, it's just, if I was a kid and I saw these shows, uh, I would have been so much uh, more at ease with who I was um, if I you know, had that growing up. So I'm, I'm really happy that a lot of it is, is happening. And I'm always in the room pitching. I'm like, let's just make it gayer. Just make it gay. <laughs> oh, that new character? Yeah, they're gay. Why? Well, just because. People are gay. Is there a reason? (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, that is so interesting. Um, I feel like I could stay here talking to you for hours. Uh, (laughs) We're close to the end. I just want to ask you if you have any maybe general piece of advice for screenwriters that are starting their career now. Yeah. um, I think the biggest piece of advice... Or, or like kind of a, a mantra I had for myself was, was to not put an expiration date on this uh, career that you've chosen. Um, I just feel like anyone who comes to LA, I've seen, who has been like, oh, you know what? If within five years I'm not on my way to being staffed, I'm going to go back home, say, you know what? I tried it. Didn't work out. I feel like that's such a a self-fulfilling prophecy that like, if you put an expiration date on it, you're going to get that expiration date and you're going to, you're going to quit. So, you know, really, if if this is something you want to pursue, it has to be sort of the only thing you can really see yourself doing. It's the only thing I can, I can see myself doing. I have no other skills. And so it, it, it's this or bust for me. So I, you know, I, I, I never told myself that, you know, if I wasn't staffed by this year or by this age or whatever, that I'm just going to go back home. That's just not an option for me. I never allowed myself to have that sort of out. Uh, so, so really understand that if this is what you want to do, this is what you want to do. This is what you need to do. This is what your heart, um, your creativity needs to do and just do it and, and do it for as long as it takes. Um, because you never know when you're going to get your foot in the door or when you're going to get your big break. Um, and, and you can't, you can't rush these things. You have to put in the work and take your time and know that it will work out. In the end, it's all about perseverance. Yep. And believing, which is not easy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it's like it's not easy. But advice. but if you if if you have that strength of belief for yourself, it's it's gonna happen. Awesome. <laughs> okay, Nick. Um, I'm ready to ask you the eight and three quarters quiz. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. I hope so. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> okay. Eight and three quarter squares with Nick Rodriguez. Let's go. What show can you stop binging? Ooh. Uh, the woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window on Netflix. I did not want to stop, stop watching that show. I, I thought it was brilliant. What boogies on your nightstand? Dracula. <laughs> did not expect that. <laughs> Who is your role model? Uh, you know what? Right now, I am really, uh, really impressed with the world that Greg Berlanti has built for himself. Um, he is, uh, he's a, a, a gay writer who's got all of these superhero shows on the air and, and all these other shows. Like, he's built, uh, I think, a, a pretty impressive uh, empire for himself. What is your Howard's house? <laughs> Uh, I say it's Gryffindor, but it, it, <laughs> it really kind of goes back and forth between Gryffindor and Hufflepuff, depending on, you know, which quiz I take that day or how I'm feeling. <laughs> okay. It's mood based. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. What would your last meal be? Uh, probably, probably burritos. Just burritos. I love burritos. I can't get enough of them. What's the most LA thing you've ever done? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yesterday I was, we were driving to Soho House of all places. And I was on a, a video chat with my friends and I had a, uh, a ring light attached to my phone. That's, <laughs> I feel like that's probably pretty LA. <laughs> okay. Yes. Uh, if you could work with anybody in the industry, who would that be? Ooh, that's a great question. Who would I work with? Okay, so because I grew up on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I need to work with Sarah Michelle Gellar at some point. <laughs> I think she's so funny and so talented, and I'm surprised she's not in more things. I just think she's she's a, a really fun actor, and it would probably be a, a blast to work with her. Um, your house catches fire. What's the one thing you save? Oh, my laptop. It's got all my work on it. I can't... Oh, my anxiety just spiked. <laughs> okay. Uh, final question for the third quarter question. Were Rachel and Ross on a break? <laughs> That's hilarious. Um... Uh, yes. I, yes, they were on a break. <laughs> It, that's what she said. Like she was, she was playing games. I think a little bit. I like. I I am loath to defend Ross, but that's what she wanted. And then you know she changed. He should not have done what he did. This is a, a longer yes. The answer is yes. They were. <laughs> yeah, this could you know open up a second podcast. But... Oh yeah, I could talk for another hour on that. But yeah. <laughs> Okay, um, that was great, Nick. Thank you so much for this. It yeah. was really a pleasure. Um, you're welcome to come back anytime. Yeah, yeah, whenever you do. This is fun. <laughs>